0: Welcome to another edition of VLGA Connect. Over the course of the past three months or so, we've checked in with various agencies in the state to see how they're managing COVID-19 and what sorts of ongoing impacts they expect to have. And today, uh, delighted to check in with the CEO of the EPA, Dr. Kathy Wilkinson. Kathy, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much, Chris.
0: Lovely to see you and have you as part of the show. Um, just thought we might spend a couple of minutes exploring what your what life has been like for the EPA the last few months and where your focus has been in a COVID nineteen world.
1: Yeah, great question. So. EPA is the regulator of pollution and waste, is focused on protecting the community, protecting the environment from harms associated with pollution and waste. And that does not stop whether we have a pandemic or not. So as the regulator, um, we've continued to regulate. Obviously, we've been doing that remotely. Um, I'm very proud of the way the organisation transitioned very quickly to to working from home, working remotely, but our inspectorial work, our work dealing with high risk sites, our inspections, um, our provision of environmental public health advice and so on has continued, obviously under very different circumstances. We've had safe working protocols and so on to make sure we're looking after our staff and any, any of those out there that we're interacting with.
0: Yes, I was thinking that. So some of the work you do, you can't do remotely, obviously. So you mentioned safe working protocols. What has that meant for the way your people operate um, in real terms, do you think?
1: So when we do work that involves going out into the public, we always do a job safety assessment anyway. Obviously with COVID, it's making sure we're following the protocols, following the advice um, to make sure that that's updated, um, to protect our staff and to protect those we're interacting with. So it might mean making sure we're aware of the environment we're going into, what the circumstances are there, how we can conduct an inspection safely. We are conducting a number of cleanups on sites as well, so it's making sure we've got that work underway um, that there's very particular attention to uh, coronavirus related requirements, social distancing, um, extra cleaning, all those sorts of things that many businesses are, are now. It's becoming the norm.
0: Indeed. And, and you've mentioned the speed with which the transition to a largely remote working environment has occurred for your agency, as it, as it has for many others. What sorts of things do you see uh, remaining in place, I guess? Uh, what, what, what can we take from this COVID-19 experience that might stay with us beyond the pandemic?
1: So EPA is actually undergoing the biggest transformation in our history at the moment towards a preventative uh, science-based regulator. As part of that, we've got a huge digital transformation underway. So we were very fortunate that we already had... quite a bit of investment in new digital platforms and so on. What that meant is that our staff had surfaces already. Um, A lot of our um, systems were in the cloud, which is what enabled us to go quite quickly into that um, new operating environment. At EPA, um, we stand for diversity and we stand for flexible working arrangements. So I think what this has done in many respects is just emphasise that we can run a regulator um, remotely. It is different. There are advantages, um, absolutely. I think one of the things we all need to make sure of in operating this way is that we're looking after the wellbeing of our people, um, the mental health wellbeing. I think there are different experiences depending on your home Situation depending on your life situation. So we've been making sure to put a fair bit of effort into that as well.
0: What sort of leadership uh, observations perhaps do you have about managing your workforce in a remote environment? Because it's been quite an adjustment for some, hasn't it?
1: Yes, it has. Look, I think, one of the interesting things that has come out is I think leaders have been more in touch with their teams perhaps than they normally are. Um, Perhaps the technology enables that. Um, It's easier to sort of perhaps be in contact with with a diverse uh, distributed workforce. So I think being making sure there's a visible presence of leadership, even though that visibility perhaps is um, virtual rather than in person. I think it requires leaders to be really clear about outcomes that we're driving to. Um, no one wants to be micromanaged. That's not a leadership um, you know, uh, characteristics that anybody wants. And I think what that requires of leaders is being very clear on the outcomes so that we can empower our people uh, to, to get on with what they know how to do best.
0: Really good observations, because it has been an adjustment for people who, I, I guess, get into a routine of managing one way and all of a sudden the, the dynamics have changed considerably
1: if I could perhaps add is I think um, another critical aspect of leadership is self leadership so I think being aware of the impact the different working sort of mode has on each of us is critical as well taking the breaks um, getting away from the screen you know stepping out in the sun for a bit if you can so you don't just end up with that tunnel vision spending the whole day in teams that you're still getting your head up looking at the strategic issues, as well as sort of obviously getting involved in the the endless Zoom teams type meetings.
0: So I'm conscious that uh, you had some new legislation that was about to come in, 1st of July, I I think was the target date. Um, As a result of all of this change, uh, that's been delayed by 12 months. What were you expecting to come in on the 1st of July and how are you going to manage that delayed implementation, do you think?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, EPA is undergoing the biggest transformation in our history, and part of that is the introduction of new legislation that the parliament passed. So this legislation will be preventative. It's a duties-based model, and it introduces what's called a, a general environmental duty, which puts a positive obligation on people to prevent harm from pollution and waste. Very similar to OHS and s type legislation and that whole safety culture. So... With the commencement of that shifting to next year, um, what it enables is for us to do a lot more engagement with stakeholders, including local government. Local government' such a crucial partner for epa we 're co regulators in many respects. Um, we work on litter on site wastewater management, residential noise together. Um, And so this enables um, a lot more engagement with the sector as a whole. We're working with the sector on various um, implementation toolkits and really looking forward to just continuing to work very closely with local government ahead of go-live of that new legislation.
0: So it sounds like you're seeing the extra 12 months as an opportunity to to do more engagement and be be better prepared for uh, the new role of the EPA, I guess.
1: Yeah, and making sure that stakeholders have a good understanding and so on. So, so no time will be lost, um, that's for sure. One of the principles of the new legislation is... Uh, what's called state of knowledge. So making sure that duty holders out there, people who have a responsibility to prevent harm from pollution and waste, have good knowledge about what's required. So we're already getting on with that through a new industry guidance unit, getting guidance out there. So it means that when the legislation kicks in, um, more and more people will have that good, strong state of knowledge.
0: I do recall a couple of years ago through my local government uh, involvement, the introduction of a program called OPAL, the I think it's officers for protection of the local environment from That's memory. Right. and a number of councils were involved in that. How's that program progressed?
1: Yes, so that was part of that initial transformation program as well, was to pilot this program of local officers that were EPA employees but located in councils or co-located, if you like. So the pilot was a success, it was expanded. Um, as a result of further government investment, and we now have 23 OPALs across Victoria, across metropolitan Melbourne, but also across regional and rural Victoria. And look, I think this year alone, there's been close to 700 inspections conducted by those officers, very focused on those local issues that it might be an amenity issue, no noise, odour dust. It might be a local pollution event, like something into a creek or a waterway, something coming off a local construction site. So it's been incredibly successful in getting councils and EPA to work together for local communities for the local environment.
0: And do you see that continuing for the time being, Kathy?
1: Look, the the obviously the normal uh, government budget process will determine the ultimate continuation of it, but it's been very successful. Um, Certainly that it's oversubscribed in terms of local government interest. Um, So we'll we'll wait and see the outcome of the budget process. But um, local government has been very clear that they they would like it to continue.
0: Terrific. And and there was a lot of interest when it first came out. And I think there was quite a bit of uh, um, uh, competition or certainly many hands going up to say we'd like to be part of it. So really pleased to hear that's been as successful as, as it has. Kathy, it's been great to talk with you. I really appreciate you joining us on VLGA Connect, and I'd like to extend an invitation for down the track as your new legislation gets a little bit closer and some of those initiatives you've talked about are, are, are with us, that perhaps we can explore um, those with you at a future time.
1: Very happy to do that. Local government's such a crucial partner for EPA.
0: Lovely to speak with you, Dr. Kathy Wilkinson, CEO of EPA, with us on this edition of VLGA Connect.